Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially, Grace, Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Grace Curley Show. Happy, happy, happy Friday to all of you. Thank you for tuning in today. We've got a lot of news to get to. Some weird updates for you from the RNC. I don't know if people caught this. And, and I want to I wanna talk about it. I want to get everyone's take. Obviously, Trump made it clear that he's not happy with the Haley donors. He said if you're donating to Haley, um, he implied that you're not going to really have a spot in the MAGA world After that, but what I thought was even stranger was that the RNC, David Bossie specifically, David Bossie put forward a resolution declaring that Trump would be the presumptive nominee before he actually has received the required delegates. Now, I don't get that move at all, and neither did Donald Trump, which was. The craziest part to me. When Donald Trump, remember that, just, I don't know if people remember this, but there was a point, and I, I don't know if it was when Donald Trump Jr. was on with Howie or something, but he was telling some story about how he was putting things out on social media and the president, the former president, said to him, Don, take it easy on Twitter. Like, you got to cool it down. And Don Jr. said, when my dad is telling you that you need to calm down on social media, you have a problem. And I remember thinking that was so funny because usually you're th- everyone else is thinking that about Trump. Everyone's like, dude, you've got to stop. So if you're a committee person or the head of the RNC and you come up with this idea, like we're going to make him the presumptive nominee and Trump, who I've been told by everyone from Rachel Maddow to Larry O'Donnell to Joe Scarborough, you know, all those very, very serious, important people. I've been told that he is a dictator in training, that he is just chomping at the bit to eliminate elections, to come in and be king, all of these things. The fact that Trump put out a statement and was like, thanks, but no thanks to Dave Bossie and to the RNC. What? Thanks, but I'm going to wait and I'm going to do this the old fashioned way. I have one thing to say about that. The RNC is stupid. Like they, they don't know what they're doing. And I've, you might be, you're probably saying to yourself, well, Grace, you're stupid too, because we've known that for, we've known that for years now. But every time, every time they, they don't even have to do anything. Like you don't have to do anything at all. Just shut up. Just stay out of it. They're like, we're going to make them the presumptive nominee. They're like Leroy Jenkins. It's like, nobody asked you for this. Trump doesn't even want this. Why are you butting in here? Just, I don't know, like to get in on the MAGA thing or to look like you're really, you know, team Trump. So Trump puts out the statement. He says, well, I greatly appreciate the Republican National Committee wanting to make me their presumptive nominee. 
And while they have far more votes than necessary to do it, I feel for the sake of party unity that they should not go forward with the plan, but that I should do it the old fashioned way and finish the process off at the ballot box. Thank you to the RNC for the respect and devotion you have shown to me. Trump 2024. It's kind of embarrassing for them. It's like not only have you shown that you're totally bending the knee to Donald Trump and you you'll do anything for him and that you're probably a little bit afraid of him. But he didn't even accept your offer. Just just not a good look. Now, beyond that, though, what I wanted to start the show with, because we can talk about this later. We can talk about Dave Bossy. We can talk about Trump and Nikki Haley and all that good stuff. But I wanted to talk about Texas. Because yesterday we were discussing how there is a standoff between Texas Governor Greg Abbott and the Biden administration. And basically, the Supreme Court decided that the Biden uh, federal border agents can come in and cut down the razor wire in Texas. It was put up around Shelby Park by the Texas National Guard. And so Abbott gets this news that it was like a 5-4 decision. And he lost, basically. And he's like, okay, cool, we're going to keep it. We're going to keep the razor wire. Now, ignoring, for people following along at home, ignoring a Supreme Court decision is okay if you are Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. You want to ignore the Supreme Court telling you you can't cancel, using air quotes, cancel student loan debt. You can ignore that. You can just, you know, executive order your way to whatever you want. That's okay. And nobody, you know, gets up in arms about it. Because it's a conservative MAGA Supreme Court, so who cares? They can't tell Joe Biden what to do. But if you ignore a Supreme Court decision and you're Greg Abbott, well, then that's a big no-no. Then you've got a problem. Then you're interfering with settled law. Did I miss where the Supreme Court became legitimate again? Because as I was made to understand, it's an illegitimate Supreme Court. It can happen, Jared. For three years. It can happen so quickly. You, you've really got to be paying attention. I feel like a Biden judicial nominee. I just don't understand how any of this works. You have to be paying attention because if you blink too fast, things change. And yes, yeah, so right now, Supreme Court, good. Tomorrow, it's anyone's guess. So Abbott is now telling Biden to kick rocks. And he's Biden is telling Texas that they have until today, January 26th, to relinquish control of that area and to basically... You know, give it up, back off, and let us do our thing, which is our their thing, by the way, is open up the border and let people come in and take over. And um, and yeah, just let people come in unvetted. Um, some people and I always I always like to make this point. Not everybody, of course, is bad. Not everybody is. Is trying to um, a lot of people are looking for a better life. I understand that. But everybody who's coming in through the border should be vetted. And that shouldn't be something that is controversial to say. That does not make me a xenophobe. It does not make me a racist. And so Joe Biden is encouraging everyone to come in. He actually said that during the debates in 2020. He said, I'm going to tell people to surge the border. That's exactly what he's done. So Biden is telling Texas they have until today. And Biden and his Avengers that surround him They find themselves in this position quite a bit. And what I mean by that is, and it's not just with governors, it's with world leaders as well. We were told when Joe Biden was running for president, which feels like 6,000 years ago, we've lived so many lives since then. We've seen so much. These eyes, 
these eyes have seen a lot of things. But we were told at the beginning that these people were master legislators. They were negotiators. They were so ensconced in like this world and they knew all about this and they were experienced politicians. And I mean this sincerely. I'm supposedly an expert in foreign policy. I've known every major world leader for the past 25 years. They know everybody. They're swamp creatures through and through. And that was a good thing. That was a good thing because unlike Trump, who brought in, you know, businessmen and people that he's known in the real estate world or just, you know, through his experience as a TV star. No, no, no. This was good because Joe Biden was back. The adults were back in charge. And these adults had spent their careers as keyboard warriors drafting up like the Iranian deal, drafting up all these things. And that's why it was so great that they came back to the table because we were going to be respected again on the world stage. Now, the reason I say that is most of the time, and you're seeing this in Texas, the strategy from these experienced master legislators, the, the unbelievably precise and intellectual strategy that they've come up with is to look at who's ever getting them upset and say, you better cut it out. You? No, look at me. Look, look, look at me. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to count to three. No, I'm going to count backwards. I'm going to, I'm going to count. I'm going to count from three down. And when I'm done, if you don't do what I say, I am going to write a strongly worded letter and some of my friends will sign it. And you better watch yourself. Play eight to five, two to three out of five. And we all know parents like this. We all know people in our lives who this is how they parent. They look at their kids and they go, I will turn this car around. We won't go. We won't go. I'm going to pull over right now. We're not going to the park anymore if you can't behave. And what ends up happening is if you do that all the time, kids eventually, they know it's an empty threat. And it doesn't scare them. And it doesn't change their behavior because they know you're full of crap. And the same thing happens with the Biden administration, which is why, and this brings me to what I want to talk about in this first hour, it's going to be a very heavy Biden hour. Abbott is in such a winning position here. How often have I said that over the years about Republicans? But lately on the border, Republicans have been in a winning position and they have been playing the optics game correctly. And I will acknowledge that because, again, it doesn't happen all the time. So Abbott, it's definitely a gamble for him to say, I don't care. I'm not going to listen to the Supreme Court. I'm going to keep the razor wire up. But what's Biden going to do? What he's, he's telling him, oh, today's the last day. I'm drawing a light, red line in the sand. Bonchi wrote this. I love this. Bonchi wrote in Red State, what's the Biden administration going to do? Open fire on the Texas National Guard if they don't clear out? The federal government has no leverage here and no ability to exact its will. And Abbott knows it. Abbott has got this guy exactly where he wants him. This is a now this is a game of chicken. And Biden is going to swerve because he has no other option. Like, what's he going to do? How's that going to look? Oh, we are so determined here at the Biden administration to allow people to flood the borders that we're going to open fire on the Texas National Guard. 
just to ensure that people can come into this country unvetted? Is that the look he's going for? Best of luck. I Heading into the election, I don't think that's going to play well. Especially when you consider that immigration, I'm sorry, illegal immigration has just trumped in a lot of polls for the first time the economy as people's number one issue when they go to vote. People are catching on to what's happening here. And if you think that Biden is going to win this war of the optics with Greg Abbott, you are dead wrong. We'll talk about that. I also want to talk about Biden's recent meeting with Bibi Netanyahu. He's mad at Bibi. We have so much to get to. He was in Wisconsin yesterday, gave a very bizarre speech, even by Biden's standards. So we'll talk about that. We will take your calls. You don't want to go anywhere. Oh, and we have to talk about the hard hat. We got to talk about the hard hat. This is the Grace Curley Show. Hi, it's Toby from Cape Gunworks. I'm taking all your firearm and self-defense questions every Tuesday. Join Grace and me for 2A Tuesday, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. This is the Grace Curley Show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. Yeah, so Biden was in Wisconsin, and he broke one of the most fundamental rules of campaigning. The Mike Dukakis rule. Don't put something on your head that's going to make you look like an idiot. I'm pretty young, and I even know that rule. Guarantee, guaranteed I did work, I, I do work for Howie Carr, and I, I did work for uh, Howie a lot when he was writing those books, and he mentioned Mike Dukakis a few times, but... Still, I feel like that's just something you know. I feel like that's just something somebody tells you. If you're going to put on a hard hat, it, you know what? Mike Dukakis, maybe he deserves an apology because it's like, yeah, he wore a stupid hat. Uh, but at least he wore it the right way. He wore it the, the right side. You know, Joe Biden has the hard hat on. If you haven't seen this photo, this is one of those times where I'm going to tell you to look it up. Okay, I'm going to tell you to check it out and see it for yourself because it is worth it. And I just sent it to a friend of mine who's in a union and who happens to wear a hard hat every day. See, Jared, I'm, I'm like Joe. I'm union Joe here. I know people who wear hard hats. Okay. And I sent it and I said, could you show this to the other people, you know, that you work with and just get some general reactions. And I'm going to tell them to Howie, too, because I know Howie's interested as well. I want to know the people who wear hard hats. Like, is that a big no, no? Should he have known that? Should he have put that on and felt kind of the plastic part against his forehead and thought something's not right here? And, and is it more do we think he messed up the hard hat more because of his age or because he's just never had a job like that in his life and he doesn't know how to wear a hard hat? I don't know his like w- didn't like most of his family work in the coal mines at one point. You'd think he would understand how a hard hat. Would I think work. he's. I think he said that most of his family worked in the coal mines. Oh right, maybe it was one of the hard hats at the car dealership, or he or was whatever. raised by a hard hat, Jared. <laughs> he was raised in the hard hat. <laughs> that community. hard hat was three days away from retirement when that mine caved in. It was the Puerto Rican Greek hard hat community. That's that's where Joe Biden was raised, in black churches. Our Lady of the Hard Hat. In black churches, by Irish people, and by hard hats. 
And by bridges, of course. Don't forget the bridges. Today's poll question is brought to you, which has nothing to do with hard hats, is brought to you by the Nasset Beach Inn. Right now, you can stay at the Nasset Beach Inn for under $200 this winter. To reserve your pet-friendly ocean view room, go to NossetBeachInn.com. That's NossetBeachInn.com. Jared, what is the poll question, and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at GraceCurleyShow.com, is who will blink first, Greg Abbott or Joe Biden? Joe Biden, 100 percent. Joe Biden has so much crap on his plate right now. Everywhere he looks is a disaster. Now he's fighting with Bibi Netanyahu. He's mad at Bibi because Bibi's actually doing what's best for his people and not just going by what the anti-Semites at Harvard want him to do. So he's mad at Bibi. He's fighting with Greg Abbott because his administration is so desperate to let people overrun our border. And then on top of all that, he doesn't know how to wear a hard hat. So I just think his cup runneth over at the moment. I'm going to say that Joe Biden's going to blink first. 81% of the audience agrees with you. 19% think it will be Greg Abbott. I want to talk about this Bibi Netanyahu story because I was reading it from Axios, okay? And it's breaking down how Biden is angry with Bibi because he wants the Israeli prime minister to transition the Israel-Hamas war to a low-intensity operation. And this is the quote that stuck out to me. A Biden advisor told Axios that the White House is very concerned about losing young voters, many of whom are opposed to the president's policy on the Gaza war. Well, I actually have some good news for the Hamas-loving radicals at Harvard and NYU. They can take solace in knowing that Joe Biden is also opposed to Joe Biden's policy with the Israel-Hamas war. So that should make them feel better. Like he doesn't he he doesn't want to do this either. He is so concerned with these young people these Jew these Jew hating young people being mad at him. And I get it. I get that politics ain't beanbag and you have to make decisions a lot of the time based off the political consequences, based off what your voters will do. I understand that. And that's not, not that, that's nothing new. And I'm not saying that's not part of most leaders' calculations when they deal with, you know, other wars and they deal with these decisions. But there is something so feckless and so morally bankrupt about this 81-year-old guy getting huffy with a leader who's trying to take out a terrorist organization because he's afraid of the anti-Semitic basement dwellers not voting for him. There's just something about it that really irks me. And you know what I want to talk about when we come back? That that part of it, the 81 years old, because say what you want about DiFi. I'll never forget when she looked at those snot nosed kids and she said, like, get out of here. I'm not you're not going to bully me. Where's that, Joe Biden? Isn't that the perk of being ancient that you can do that? We'll talk more about it when we come back. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. We are talking Greg Abbott in this battle in Texas over the razor wire. And again, I, I know that this is kind of part of the Biden administration's M.O., and I shouldn't be surprised at this point. 
but I do think Americans should take note of what they care about. Like, take note of what gets this administration, what lights the fire under their asses. And it's not protecting you. It's not securing American jobs. It's not helping the economy. What gets them energized and motivated to do anything beyond, you know, puff piece interviews with Katie Couric and eating bowls of chocolate chocolate chip ice cream is if they think that some leader somewhere, whether it's in Texas or Florida or Arizona, when they think some leader is going to do a good job and actually going to enforce the laws, that's when they get motivated. That's when they say enough's enough. We have to do something about this. Otherwise, out to lunch all the time. I have an update for you. Some good news regarding Fannie Willis, the DA from Fulton County. This is breaking news. Georgia Senate votes to create special committee to investigate Fannie Willis. This is from the Post Millennial. On Friday, the Georgia State Senate voted 30 to 19 in favor of a resolution to create a special committee to investigate embattled, there you go, you knew that was coming, embattled Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis. I actually wanted to read a little bit from the Gateway Pundit here because they say they have a smoking gun. And the smoking gun would be, we talked about how Fannie Willis hires her boyfriend, lover, paramour, Nathan Wade, who's not very experienced in this type of law, but she hires him as the lead prosecutor to get Orange Man, to get Trump. And Nathan Wade gets paid a whole lot of money to do that, allegedly. More than the other two experts on the case, people who actually have experience with RICO and things of that nature. And are like the leaders in their field. Nathan Wade makes way more than they do. Which is, you know, far be it from me to say there's bias involved. But it's a little strange. Then we find out with this money, he takes Fannie Willis on cruises, on trips, and things like that. And furthermore, we find out he knows how to bill. I mean, he's a lawyer in that sense. He knows how to keep a tab running. And he also made trips to the White House. Which, if you're Team Trump, that's very concerning. Grace, he's working 24 hours a day, eight days a week. Come on. (laughs) He had to go to the White House to ask Joe, how do you do it? I'm trying to keep up with your schedule, and it's hard. But now we have the smoking gun, which is Fannie Willis's DA office uh, received two letters from Biden White House counsel amid Trump witch hunt. What's better than one letter from the White House? Two. During a hearing for Jeffrey Clark, I'm going to skip around here because I I just highlighted a couple parts of this I think are very important. It says during a hearing for Jeffrey Clark, who was indicted by a Fulton County grand jury on two counts, um, because there's a lot of people now who, like I believe his name was Michael Roman, are saying this should not stand This needs to be investigated. So during a hearing for Jeffrey Clark on Thursday, the Fulton County DA's office admitted it received two letters from Biden's White House counsel. We did get a letter from the White House counsel's office, Your Honor, Fulton County Prosecutor Alex Burnick said. It was about logistics and procedures. Sure. Sure it was. About yoga and the weather. Yeah, it was about it was about Chelsea Clinton's wedding. What do you want? What more do you need to know? 
And Jared, really, what difference at this point does it make? Under further questioning, Burnick admitted the DA's office actually received two letters from Biden's White House counsel. This is like dealing with teenagers at this point. Like the lies just keep on coming. The lies are coming out during this back and forth. So you did receive a letter. Yes. Is there anything else you haven't told us? No, that's it. We received a letter. You sure? Well, there was there's two letters. Oh, got it. Okay, so you're trying to give everybody the runaround here. According to legal reporter Julie Kelly, Fulton County Superior Court Judge Scott McAfee wants both letters filed under seal for a private review in his chambers. This is what he said. As indicated, I'll take a second pass as to how these two issues fit into Brady. And on the second issue, we'll start with an in-camera review, he said. If you can have that to me, if you can compile it and I will review it, I will issue an order accordingly, which I think is a good move. I definitely think he should be reviewing these letters. But there's something else in this story in the Gateway Pundit, which I, I'm guessing how he has in his homework because he sent it to me this morning. Willis began her investigation into Trump in February 2021, yet she waited until the 2024 election season was in full swing to charge the former president and current leading GOP candidate. So this was a letter Jim Jordan wrote that was obtained by the Gateway Pundit. He said, the timing of this prosecution reinforces concerns about your motivation. In February 2021, news outlets reported that you directed your office to open an investigation into President Trump. Indeed, sometime on or around February 11th, 2021, Your office sent a letter to several Republican officials in Georgia requesting that they preserve documents relating to a matter of high priority that your office was investigating. Yet you did not bring charges until two and a half years later at a time when the campaign for the Republican presidential nomination is in full swing. More updates out of Georgia. Rep. Charlize Byrd, Republican from Woodstock, as introduced in the Georgia Senate, H.R. 872, the impeachment of Fannie Willis. You know what I like about you, Jared, is that no matter who we're talking about, you're always going to deliver a certain level of respect. You know that she prefers to go by Fannie. And you're not going to fall for my trap of just, I keep saying Fanny, 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 but no, you're going to say Fanny. I respect the pronouns, <laughs> names of you respect the pronunciation. Yeah. Um, by the way, I sent this. I won't say to who, but I sent the picture of Joe Biden in his hard hat to a friend of mine who also wears a hard hat every day. And I said, please show to the men and women at work and get reaction. And this friend of mine was nice enough to write back some quotes. First quote, bozo. Second quote. Oh, my God, what a bleeping moron. I'll keep reading these as they come in. But, yeah, it's hard to look at this photo of Joe Biden and not think, how did no one? And here's the other part of it, too, is that he's with, like, Amy Klobuchar. She posts it, right? He has all these handlers. He has all these people who are supposed to be keeping him in check, who are supposed to be making sure he doesn't embarrass himself. Isn't that, like, the main thing? Don't let the guy embarrass himself. And nobody sees this and goes, hey, 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 buddy, flip it around. Wear it the right way. Come on, man. Nobody has his back. And I want to point something else out. I I teased this a little bit yesterday. 
I do have a piece coming out in Spectator. It's all about how now the conversations about mental acuity are back. They were gone for four years and now they're back because everybody's very concerned about Donald Trump. His odd, bizarre, slurred speech. You know, he's 77 years old. He doesn't have the youthful vigor that he needs. And the reason I bring this up is because when I was writing this last night, I knew that Trump had mixed up Nancy Pelosi and Nikki Haley. He was ranting about Nancy Pelosi and he kept saying Nikki Haley by mistake. And I also knew that they brought out the octogenarian Marie Antoinette, San Francisco's own Nancy Pelosi to dunk on Donald Trump. And what's that about? It was like a who's on first style situation where she gets out for this interview on MSNBC and she confuses Trump with Biden. And at a certain point, you got to go, okay, you got to raise the white flag and go, no more, no more. Okay, we've had enough. But it's actually worse than that. I knew that she had done that. I knew that Nancy Pelosi had come out and tried to make fun of Trump for for having a declined or declining cognitive ability. But someone who didn't want to miss out on this like lack of self-awareness Olympics was Joe Biden. So what does he do? Did you see what he did on Twitter? I shouldn't say he did on Twitter. It's one of his minions. One of the people who couldn't tell him to switch around the hard hat goes on Twitter and takes an ad that Nikki Haley cut up. Now, Nikki Haley's going to pounce and seize and weaponize on Trump's mistake, as she should. That's like her one big thing is that she's the young candidate. She's obviously going to use that and milk it for what it's worth that he made that mistake. That's part of the game. So Nikki Haley posts, you know, that Trump was confused or whatever. Joe Biden retweets it and goes, I don't agree. Now, again, it's not Joe. It's whoever's, you know, writing for Joe, maybe the Easter Bunny. I don't know who's in charge of the Twitter. Goes, I don't agree with Nikki Haley on a lot, but we both agree on this. She is not Nancy Pelosi. And I'm sitting here going, you can't sit one flipping thing out. You confuse Taylor Swift and Britney Spears, and you're going to try to get in on this now? Have neither Nancy Pelosi nor Joe Biden and their collective 164 years on this planet ever heard of the expression about throwing stones when you're living in glass houses? Like, you guys are old and confused. That shouldn't be... Your main criticism of Donald Trump. And furthermore, I'm not going to get lectured on how old and confused Trump is from the same people who were partaking in this weekend at Bernie situation for the past four years. The same people who, when Dr. Jill said, when Dr. Jill said, I'd put him up against any 30-year-olds. How many 30-year-olds do you know who can get on trains? And the media said, Sarah, like, good point. That's a solid point. They didn't she push back on anything for the last four years. This guy has fallen asleep at COP26. He's fallen up the stairs of Air Force One. He's fallen down the stairs. He's forgotten people's names. He's talked to people who, uh, who have died. He's shaken hands with ghosts. Now he's sniffing barrels of beer in Wisconsin. He's going up and is he sniffing or listening? Gotta sniff something. No kids around. Was it? Was he smelling it, or was he trying to? He, was he trying to listen to it like it was a conch shell? Or something? I, I think he was trying to hear it. Nice. Okay. Well, I'm not gonna be. That's lectured. Where the leprechaun lives, he tells me to burn things. I'm not gonna be lectured on old age from the people who have 
gladly partake in. And this emperor has no clothes travesty that we've been watching for the last four years. Thanks, but no thanks. I think you guys have lost credibility on that front. You don't really have a leg to stand on when it comes to this particular topic. But thanks anyway. 844-542-42. When we come back, we'll take your calls. I want to talk about... So one thing, Jared, that's going to come up now, I guess, every four years is the conversation about will Michelle Obama run? And we talk about it all the time because it comes up in all these headlines. And now this woman from the New York Post is saying that she has it on like good authority that Obama's polling people and he's talking to donors and that Michelle's going to run. If I were Michelle Obama, I would have so much fun with this every four years because she has to know, like all she has to do is put out a breadcrumb or two, an Easter egg, as the kids call it. And every Republican in the United States of America is terrified. Like, oh, no, she's going to do it. And, and I would count myself in that category because I do think if she ran, I'm not saying she should win, but I do think she would win. And so she must know every four years. It's like, want to scare them? Want to tell them I'm going to get in? Just drop a hint here or there. And Republicans start shaking in their boots. 844-500-4242. We'll talk about that. Megan Kelly talked about a report from Cindy Adams from the New York Post who claims that she has it on good authority that Michelle Obama is going to run. Again, I go back to the Kamala Harris of it all. How does that work? Is Kamala going to be her VP? That's the part That's the part of this that I can't figure out. And if somebody has the answer, I would love to hear it. Nossipi Gin just opened reservations for winter getaways. And this is the best spot to stay. It's the best spot all year round. But Cape Cod in the off season is really special to me. It's so beautiful. It's a great time to experience Cape Cod at an affordable price without the crowds, but with all of the magic. And Jared, you have also experienced Nasa Beach Inn, and you love it. Yeah, it's fantastic. The The proximity to the beach is, is unlike anything else. I mean, wherever you are, you are steps from the beach. Uh, you can just walk along. In the Cape in the winter, you can really you can hear the waves. You can enjoy the breeze. It's pet-friendly, so you have your dog. You can take the dog for a walk along the beach, uh, take your, your family with you. And uh, if it's really cold, which it can get sometimes, every room has a fireplace in the room and a giant picture window so you can stay cozy, spend time with your loved ones, just look out, take in the views. They also have fire pits outside, so if you're a little braver in the cold, you want to sit outside. My wife and I sat outside by the fire pit. We watched the sunrise, drank our morning coffee, and it was great. It was the most peaceful, tranquil place, and in today's world, you need some of that, and the Nasa Beach Inn is a place to go, especially for this price. To reserve your ocean view room for under $200 this winter, go to nossetbeachin.com. That's nossetbeachin.com. 617 says, Grace, do you support Trump or Haley? Why can't you say who you support? She is not going to be the nominee, no matter what the circumstance. 617, I have said multiple times in the past 48 hours that I support Donald Trump. You haven't been listening to the show. I'm not afraid to say I support Donald Trump. I I did a whole monologue on it the other day. 
Dude, check out the podcast. But Grace what will Chris. you say it? Yeah. What, Disgrace. What are you so afraid of? What is she hiding? No, and this is what drives me crazy. It's like, you know what probably prompted that is the fact that I said, well, of course Nikki Haley's going to run with Donald Trump's gaffe. That gets 617 in such a tizzy that he's like, she supports Nikki Haley. No, I can talk about real life and I can acknowledge things and flaws and mistakes people make without feeling like this is what when people talk about a cult, this is what they're talking about. You thinking that by me acknowledging that Donald Trump made a gaffe and Nikki Haley's going to use it in her campaign to her advantage, that that somehow makes me a secret Nikki Haley supporter. Check yourself. You've lost the plot. Six one seven. You've lost the plot. We'll be right back. The Grace Curley Show will be right back. This is The Grace Curley Show. Welcome back to The Grace Curley Show. One story that caught my eye today is has to do with self-checkout. And this is from CNN. It says, customers have soured on self-checkout, and a new study says there's proof. So this is a newly released study from Drexel University, and it found that regular checkout, the kind featuring a human cashier, makes customers more loyal to a store and more likely to revisit in the future than self-checkout. And I brought this up in the office, as I often do, Jared. I'll take these topics and I'll throw them out to you guys. And... We got kind of a mixed bag. I'm a fan of the regular checkout. I like to have a person there. I think it I think that if I if I'm in charge of the machine, it's going to take longer. But you are a big fan of the self-checkout. Yeah, I mean it depends on how much I have. If if I have a lot of groceries, I will go to your standard checkout. But for the sake of expediency, I'm a big self-checkout guy. Now here's always my question is now you let's say you're at like CVS, right? And there's a self-checkout machine, empty. And there's a person, and there's no line. So you're looking at a cashier, and you're looking at the robot, and there's no line either way. Which one are you choosing? Uh, that that one I'm probably going to the, the person, because I'm at CVS, so I'm, I'm not buying a lot, more than likely. Okay, well, It's let's all say, about volume. Oh, it's all about volume. Yeah. Yeah, I would go to the person, too, because I feel like if you go to the robot, if you go to the machine, then... In a way, you're just you're telling you're showing that person the future. You know, like this is uh, you are obsolete. I'm going to this machine. I don't need you. And it feels a little bit mean to me. So I do tend to go to the person. Plus, sometimes if you're at the grocery store and the person's bagging it, I'm not as good as a lot of the grocery store people are at like figuring out. I'm getting better. I know not to put canned goods on top of bread. I know that as well. Say that for everybody. Just saying. Yeah, but sometimes they're fast with the machines and typing things in sacrifice my eggs at the altar of expediency sir (laughs) we'll be right back we're going to talk greg abbott in texas on the other side